Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with uh, Chris Tucker. Uh, Chris Tucker is the CEO of Better With Butter. Uh, Better With Butter is an incredible uh, allergen-conscious vegan bakers uh, based in California. Um, Chris for the keen-eyed amongst you, uh, was actually uh, one of the contestants in ABC's The Great American Baking Show. Uh, He's also appeared on Inside Edition, California Live, ABC's On the Red Carpet, um, amongst uh, a whole host of uh, of other things. Um, He's an incredible uh, advocate uh, for, uh, for vegan cooking. Uh, southern baking um, and, and southern cooking indeed and, and in this, this particular episode we chat about uh, Chris's southern roots and how they've played a part in his, um, his culinary journey and, uh, and we also obviously touch upon the Great American Baking Series amongst other things so uh, without further ado here's a conversation between me and Chris Tucker uh, the CEO of Better With Butter So, Chris, it'd be awesome to get started with a little bit of your personal journey into the world of veganism. What's kind of brought you here? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of one of those people who's had a, a journey um, that's been so many years in the making. I, I started off um, really going... Uh, steering away from like red meat and and pork and and really focusing on just eating chicken and fish and so um, and that was really uh, because I was having a, a weight concern at the time and one of the things that the doctor recommended to me was just kind of you know start, starting to get away from eating eating the red meats and stuff like that and so I was like, yeah, yeah, great, I'll do it. And I was really young at the time. I was maybe um, in the seventh or eighth grade. And so um, from that point on, I never really ate beef or pork anymore. Um, And I was pretty much just uh, a chicken and fish um, eater. And then I would continue on that journey for maybe the next 10 years and then, um, you know, drop chicken and just go pescatarian. And I finally went uh, vegetarian, but um, you know, I'm I'm a chef and I'm a, I'm a baker. <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me. And one of the things being a baker is is the dairy aspect. And so I was I was holding on to this. I was holding on to kind of this preconceived notion that I had to I had to be able to bake with butter and I had to use eggs <laughs> and heavy cream and and all of those things that you typically associate with with baking. And it really wasn't until I watched the documentary What the Health that I was like, wait a second. I just have to figure out how to do it different because this isn't something that I can continue um, continue doing from an ethical standpoint, from um, just a health standpoint, from you know uh, a, a global standpoint. When you think of of what's going on with the environment and what they do to to get these products to the consumer, so it was it was from that. It was from watching what the health and then. Of course, years later, Seaspiracy comes out and I'm like, oh my God, like I was a pescatarian thinking I was doing the right thing for so long. And and here we are seeing Seaspiracy. So um, it was a very long journey for me to get all the way to, to veganism, but I can't see myself ever going back at this point. Wow. Yeah, well, that's amazing that you sort of began so young and that these seeds was were sown then and then sort of just gradually kind of like you know bloomed over the course of time i'm I'm intrigued as to when the the baking started so was that equally as young or was that a passion that you discovered later you know i'm 
I was really fortunate to have been like kind of birthed into a culinary family. Um, my <laughs> grandparents on one side uh, owned a restaurant and it was very like Southern style. I'm from Florida okay. originally and my grandparents had a restaurant in North Georgia. And so every summer I would go up there and spend the summers with them and, you know, be in the kitchen working and, and kind of just, um, you know, just soaking up everything that I could in the kitchen because it was something that I was really interested in. But on the flip side, my other grandma, she was an avid baker. And so she would come and spend the holidays with us and no other grandkid actually had any type of interest of being in the kitchen other than me. And so I was just right there on, you know, the kitchen chair next to her so I could reach the countertop. And that was from a really, really young age, probably, you know, since I was like five, just in the kitchen working next to her um, every holiday. And she actually passed away of lung cancer when I was just 12 years old. But by that time, I knew all of her recipes. And so I was, wow. I took over like all of the baking for the holidays at the young age of like 12. So um, yeah, it's something I've been doing basically my whole life. And it's just kind of part of my DNA. That's incredible. So it's like a real labor of love for you. Like the, yeah. the connection is deep. Yeah, it really is. Like I, it's funny because I tell my husband sometimes I'm like, I really can sometimes feel my grandma like working through a recipe with me. And it sounds really weird to people at times, but I almost can hear her like telling me just slow down. Like it takes the time that it takes to develop a recipe or, you know, for, for bread to prove or, you know, whatever the case may be. I sometimes can just hear her in the kitchen with me, like guiding me through recipes if I'm having like a stressful situation. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, and it yeah. just, it, it, I've had a few conversations recently with folks and, and this has come up a few times recently about how how deep our emotional connections are with, with food. I, I, on that note, actually, and you talk about this kind of Southern uh, cuisine being your kind of upbringing as well. As, as a naive uh, British person, uh, t tell us a little bit about that. What, what's kind of the traditional kind of Southern cooking that you grew up with entails yeah i mean southern food is typically like really it's it's typically really really heavy it's it's really comforting it's really um it's typically a lot of fried food um so it's it's fried chicken it's collard greens it's cornbread it's it's uh you know macaroni and cheese it's, it's corn casserole it's peach cobbler um <laughs> And that's all stuff that my grandparents used to have like on their buffet. Uh, but they, yeah. you, you know, they also did like really cool stuff. Like if you were to go to their restaurant on Thanksgiving, um, they would serve the entire Thanksgiving dinner to your table and you got to take like the rest of your turkey home with you. So like they would serve wow. whole turkeys to your table. And, and it was just like a really special time of year because everybody could go and enjoy. And if you're not somebody who enjoys cooking, Thanksgiving is a really tedious holiday to prepare for your family <laughs> yeah. and to be able to go to like their restaurant and really be able to sit down and enjoy this home cooked meal um, but not have to do any of the labor and then still have the leftovers was, you know, a really, a really special thing for, for the community the restaurant was in. Yeah, I bet. I bet. It feels like it was kind of, you know, really at the heart, doing something very special as well. I mean, that was, you know, obviously our standpoint now in terms of the, the, the content of the meal, you know, we've probably got a different view now to what we would have had back then. But, but still this notion of like this community restaurant, offering such this incredibly unique service. That's quite quite staggering in itself, really. It's incredible. Yeah. Th thinking about your, your, you know, moving it forward, thinking about that upbringing then. So you've, you've got this kind of like shining example of this community-based kind of professional um, restaurant on one side. Uh, you've got this amazing emotional connections with, with baking and so on. Was that... Do you think it was kind of almost almost kind of a destined point that you would you would go you'd make this these two worlds collide if you like and they would be your that would be your kind of profession and was there a moment that you particularly knew this is this is what my my calling is if you like 
Well, one would think, you know, one would think <laughs> that like the way, like if you were to have watched me from like a, a fly on the wall perspective um, as I was growing up and, and as, as like my skills were developing as I got older and was experimenting more in the kitchen, one would have just thought that, you know, this guy's going to go to culinary school and, <laughs> you know, be a chef. Cut to, I moved to Los Angeles to go to hair school. Okay. So I did that, um, and <laughs> I was a hairstylist out here in LA for about ten years, and um, you know it was one of those things. Again, along the way, I was still baking. I still had you know a little baking Instagram, and I was putting up my everything that I was creating in the kitchen. I was putting up and and doing my hashtags and and all of that fun stuff, <laughs> but. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't what I was doing for my for my career at the time and I I would say that I quickly learned that hair wasn't my true passion um, but I stayed with it because I you know had invested in in the schooling and so um, I got an opportunity to go on the great American baking show and that was probably the time where I was like, okay, the hair industry is, has ran its course and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to leave that as, you know, a portion of life and move on from here. So, um, you know, when I got the opportunity to go on the show, I decided that when I came back from, from shooting, I, I wouldn't go back to doing hair anymore because right. this was going to afford me a jumping off point for the next portion of my life. Hello there, and sorry to cut off your enjoyment of uh, this week's episode of the Bloody Vegans podcast. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Chris Tucker, but I did have uh, a little message for you just in the middle of this episode. So uh, for those who don't know, this uh, coming November, November the 27th, sees the Green Gazelles Rugby Club, the world's first vegan rugby club, playing their first uh, competitive ticketed match at Roslyn Park in southwest London. Uh, it's £15 a ticket, and you can get tickets from greengazellesrugbyclub.com. That's greengazellesrugbyclub.com. Uh, do check it out. Hopefully see you at the event. Um, bye for now. I know a couple of people who've who've applied to go on like the the British version. Over yeah, here. and the story that I've I've heard from those folks, and I've probably been one of their friends and family doing this, has always been their friends and family saying, "You have to go on that show. Like, the, <laughs> why don't you apply? This is like it's clearly your thing." Was, was there a, a group, friends, family, your husband saying to you, "You need to you need to get on this show." It was my husband. So somebody, um, my husband is actually in the entertainment industry and he has, he started his career in casting. Um, he's now a producer, but he started in casting and, and one of his old casting mates reached out to him and said, Hey, I follow your husband on Instagram and he looks like he would do really well. I'm casting the great American baking show right now. And so he came home from work that day and he's like, um, so I got this message today and I really think you should give it a go. And again, I was a f fan of the show. We had watched every season of the British version that was available here in the States. We, you know, watched all of the American version. And um, I was like, yeah, why not? Like, why not go for it and see what happens? If I don't get on, I don't get on, but I should at least try. And you know, it's one of those process, just the process of auditioning for a show like that. It's so grueling um, that I think it in itself makes you a stronger baker. It makes you a better, right. it makes you like a better, more, um, I would say it makes you, it, it makes you more, more confident in yourself just by auditioning for the show. Um, but yeah, I got on. That's amazing. Like, well, what's yeah. that process like then? The, 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 you know, you mentioned it being. I can imagine. Well, I can only imagine because I'm certainly I dabble in a bit of baking, but I'm nowhere near your standard. Like the, the, those kind of auditions. You know, is it? I'm imagining. Is it? Is it like like the show? Almost like dress rehearsal after dress rehearsal. Of like, can you do this under pressure? 
Yeah, so it starts off by you you do kind of like a casting interview, um, kind of like what we're doing right now. Like it's just a Zoom call with a casting director. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you submit another video for the network. And then you have to do like this hundred question interview. And then after that, you're um, actually invited to an in-person where you have to bring three different bakes. Two of them are your own, you know, your whatever you'd like. And then the third one is actually a recipe that they give you, but they don't give you the directions for it. So it's basically like, here's the ingredients. You know it's bread, but how is that bread going to come out? Is it going to be a country loaf? Is it going to be, you know, a rustic loaf? Like, how is it? How are you going to present it to the to the judging panel? I will say that everybody's looked a little bit different who I was there with at the time. And I got it, I got it, I got it all wrong. Mine was definitely (laughs) incorrect. Um, But yeah, it, it was after that round of meeting with the judges or the judging panel, it was like the culinary producer of the show and then a couple other people. Um, after that, you got a call back to come in and do like a mock bake-off where you were in right. a kitchen at a culinary school and there were cameras, there were field producers, they were coming around asking you questions and you were baking and they were kind of seeing how you would be on camera and how you could do with the distraction of, you know, other people around you, not having the directions to the cake you were making, seeing how, you know, how you acted under that pressure. <laughs> I can't believe that. That, that the, the pressure, I, couldn't, I just couldn't even... I can even begin to, to to cope with that. How how did you feel? Had you had you had you been through anything like that before? Was this kind of like completely unique? Never. This was my very first time on camera. Um, it was, you know, I, again, I moved out to LA to be a hairstylist. I didn't move out here to be, <laughs> you know, an actor or be in front of the camera. I, you know, I, I never. It was just never in my purview. And so yeah. to 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 have that experience was. It was interesting. And then to go and actually be on the show, it was, uh, uh, I learned that I actually enjoyed it. Like I really, I didn't really get nervous by it. it. I got really excited by it. And, you know, it showed me a different side of of me that I really didn't know was there. Yeah. I bet you. I imagine under that level of pressure, you probably anyone would discover all kinds of stuff about themselves they didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, there was breakdowns and meltdowns and yeah, it was a really interesting time. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine the thing that would, would, I mean, a lot of it would scare me, but one of the things that would particularly scare me is those, the technical challenges, like you say, where you have the, you're going to make this and you don't really know what the instructions are or, or how to do it or anything. And there's always that, you know, I mean, it's, I imagine it's, there's a lot of editing, obviously, that goes down to the hours show. But there's always that moment where all the contestants are kind of like panicked looks, almost like glances at each other's uh, stations and like, what are you doing it like I'm doing it and all that kind of stuff. Like, did, was, that, was, was it exactly like that? Did you find yourself in a lot of those situations? How, how did you come through those? That was exactly like it was. I mean, when when you're there and you're when you're doing those technicals and you expose the ingredients and you expose like all of your vulnerabilities, um, you have to remember everybody is just a home baker. You know, it's no professionals yeah. on the show at this point, and. Um, to expect that anybody in that tent has created or baked all of the things that are going to come under these technical challenges, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's probably not going to happen. So like for me, I had never made Florentines before, but you kind of just go with your gut 
and you kind of just, you, you look around, you give a glance <laughs> to see what, I, okay, everybody's getting their pots out and starting, you know, starting on the stovetop. I'm going to go with that. So that means, and then you look back to your ingredients and say, okay, so they must be making a caramel. I'm going to go with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a caramel. And you kind of, you kind of just go with your gut and put one foot in front of the other. That was the most nerve wracking was those technical challenges. Um, somehow I did well on all of them. I did well. So yeah, it, it, I, maybe my grandma was with me on all of those. I, <laughs> I don't think know. So. You know? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> was was there any because and forgive me it's difficult to get hold of the show the US version over in the UK so I've yeah. had a chance to to watch your your particular series although I'm going to try and seek out a way that's not too illegal to to, to do that because I'm a, a big fan of the show myself um, in terms of like you know there's always a there's always a controversial moment there's always some folks who've who've had a disastrous week and everyone kind of feels for them it sounds like you had some some amazing success with the um, with some of those technical challenges was there any moments, those like heart-stopping ones, where you were kind of looking around, thinking, "Oh my God, I feel so sorry for that person over there right now"? Um, not off the top of my head, to be honest with you, I can't. I can't recall the. Actually, I felt pretty myself. Actually. <laughs> Really? There was yeah, there was one there was one challenge and I was making eclairs and they just the dough just wasn't coming out and um, I had to remake the dough like four times and I just didn't think that I was ever going to finish the actual challenge and I did and I think um, that I actually got Star Baker that week, which was wow. <laughs> one of the, you know, it was like one of those things. And of course, the way, like you were saying earlier, the way they edit the whole hour episode, <laughs> I just looked like this frantic maniac um, <laughs> trying to get these eclairs on the table. And then I, of course, ended up getting Star Baker, I think. So, oh, that's, I mean, kudos to you. That's pretty incredible. That's, oh, thank you. The star, getting the Starbaker's coveted prize so you know to do that when you thought it had gone wrong yeah exactly <laughs> oh dear it's, it's amazing the, the, at this point you were you were vegan right or were you kind of in the process where, or, or, just talk me through the timeline there at that point I was vegetarian okay so you were kind of still like this is the way you have to bake like right yeah and and so go, going through the show at what point you know you what you said you watched what the health uh you came out of the show and thought do you know what this is going to be my career was there a point where you then thought okay and not only is this going to be my career but i want to i want to go down this route too with my with my business yeah i mean as soon as as soon as i made that change um you know for like my household i knew that um as a business, I had to make that change as well. Like if I was, if I was going to not be putting these things in my body, going back to an ethical standpoint, I didn't think it was right to sell mm. these things to a consumer. And so, um, or again, like I don't think it's ethically right to purchase these these things. Yeah. So. Um, if I'm not purchasing them for my house, how can I purchase them for my business? So it kind of just all, it, it kind of all just fell into place. And, you know, from, just from a, a consumer standpoint, there's not, there's not a lot in the marketplace for, you know, allergy conscious baking, which is yeah. what we consider ourselves. We consider ourselves allergy conscious baking. So, um, you know, vegan and gluten free is, is primarily what we put out. And um, there's just not a ton that is is on the market for it. So it, it's nice to to be able to fill a little bit of a void um, mm. when you know, that wasn't necessarily what we were looking to do. We were just looking to follow our, our ethos. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to come on to the the allergy uh, allergy uh, point as well because there's there's a, a couple of previous guests I've had and there's one in particular who's uh, who's a kind of consultant in the food safety field and has written a book about this and and really talks about how 
um, to your point, there is a, a woeful lack of you know serious uh, consideration put into allergens, and this is a kind of a, a growing a growing thing. You know, people are a becoming more aware, but you know, I think becoming more aware from just from an inclusivity point of view that you've got folks who suffer, you know, incredibly can't eat out, can't buy these these sorts of things, and they're almost just forgotten about, not catered for. So it's yeah. it's amazing. I absolutely want to want to come on to that. Before we do though, just from the you know switching the business, an incredibly bold uh, decision, I think, to come out of this, decide to you know this this is the route I want to take ethically. I'm going to make uh, not only a, a business but a new business, and I'm going to make it you know focused on veganism and so on. For, given your background, given how long you've been baking, and like you said, it, in your mind it was heavy creams, it was butters, it was you know the whole you know, eggs. What was that process like of relearning almost? Like where did you even start? Because I could imagine that would have been incredibly difficult for someone who who's got so much accumulated knowledge in the kind of like the traditional uh, methodology of baking. You know, it was um, for me, you know, being being a being a full vegan chef and taking more of a, I guess, having taking more of a liking to the to the baking uh, realm. I think what's what's more exciting to me about baking um, is just the science behind it and and what goes into the the whole process of of putting together a recipe and i think when i took everything vegan it was really fun for me to be able to figure out what works in my recipes that i currently had in my arsenal how do i make them vegan but taste exactly the same because my whole thing is i don't want someone to ever taste a product that i put out and say this tastes healthy this tastes vegan this tastes gluten-free like i never want anyone to know that it's anything different other than delicious and um so for me it was it was challenging because you know there's so many different ways that you can swap in eggs Mm -hmm. for a recipe you can use tofu you can use flaxseed you can use aquafaba you can use just egg like you can use so many different things when you're substituting in eggs um but again it's there's a million different milks on the market do you want a higher higher concentrate of fat and you're using coconut cream like it really just because recipes are all about ratios it's really just trying not to mess with your fat ratios in the recipe um and just you you have to dive into the science of the recipe in order to keep it the same but i don't think there's anything out there that you can't make vegan um and make it taste delicious you just have to really look at the core of the recipe and figure out the best the best substitutions cuz sometimes i find that adding silken tofu is the best the best thing to add for a certain recipe but it definitely doesn't work for other recipes so it's a lot of trial and error um much more than working with regular you know regular stuff but now that i've been doing it for a while it's coming it's coming more natural and it's it's kind of just the way i do things now opposed to when i first started so um yeah it's good it's good has it has it been sort of almost helped kind of not that you necessarily fall out of love with it at all it's completely a passion but has it kind of like almost reignited some excitement in the because it's almost like relearning you know like the way you describe it like i've got you know i've got to try this might not work with this it worked brilliantly in that last recipe but it doesn't work with it like i imagine that's quite scary whilst running a business but also exciting like this new challenge yeah, it what it is really exciting to me. Um, you know, I have a I have a massive problem with like food waste. So for yeah. me, you know, I do I do a lot of research. I do a lot of like um, development on the back end before I even go into the kitchen because I just can't. 
like nothing goes in the garbage. So if it doesn't come out, how can I, how can I fix it so we can at least eat it at home? You know, like yeah. when I'm recipe testing. So um, I think it, it definitely has made it, it has made it feel new again. You know, it's made it's yeah. made the whole process feel refreshing in some weird way. Like it feels like. Um, every time I, I make a cake, I'm not killing a ton of animals. So it's like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not doing any harm. Like, this is kind of nice. And I'm getting, you know, all of this protein from the different, you know, of course there's a bunch of sugar. I'm not saying it's a health food, but <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I, I'm seeing like the different added benefits from using all plant-based um, ingredients. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, I imagine you made a, 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 a real sort of a friendship group or a community out of the folks that you were on the show with and probably since then have probably developed a bigger uh, community within the kind of the, the baking world and so on and so forth. Is Was there a bit of surprise almost questioning when you said, Joe, you know what I'm not only starting this business, but it's going to be vegan, and we're going to focus on on allergens and and supporting the folks with with kind of allergen needs as well. Was there a bit of shock there? And like, well, you can't do that, Chris. You can't cook vegan like the the baking that you used to do. Well, I will say, being in LA. Um, it's a very Oops. widely accepted, you know, everybody here has something they can't eat. Everybody, you know, everybody in yeah. LA is on some kind of diet, you know, everybody's keto or whatever. And then, you know, uh, veganism here is very widely, it, it, it's kind of like, if you say you're vegan, yeah, cool. Like we have, here's your separate menu. You know, if you go to a restaurant <laughs> yeah. that's not a vegan restaurant, they're like, oh, turn to the back page. There's your options. Um, <laughs> so I would say that we definitely live in a community that it's very widely accepted. Um, one of the girls that I was on the Bake Off with, she has, I don't know how she does it, but her and her husband eaten, her and her husband and one of her kids have no dietary restrictions. Another one has um, is gluten intolerant, and another one is dairy intolerant. So she will cook basically three different meals every night for dinner. Oh She's God. also open to bakery um, on the East Coast, and. Um, so she's she's great. She reaches out. She's like, this is so great that you're doing this and that you're focusing on allergens because, you know, she knows all about it. She knows what it's like to have to do that. And, you know, it, it's really interesting because people reach out and they're like, what's a great swap in for for eggs or what's a good cream cheese that you use as a dairy alternative or so I do feel like it's been more support than um, than anything else, which is always nice. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, wonderful to hear that there's a, like 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 you say. I think LA is one of those cities that's synonymous with uh, with being open to veganism and 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 having this amazing community. And it's it's great great to hear that that's sort of almost you know gone beyond that in terms of people reaching out and so on and so forth. Where where did the I mean obviously you mentioned there that the the LA and the the um, the fact that a lot of the the folks around around where you live, people you knew, uh, kind of had allergy requirements. Was that the, uh, the the sort of the source of inspiration for making this focus on in that area, or was there was there kind of more to it? So, um, my husband was actually having some like stomach issues and really couldn't figure out what was going on. And so we went to the doctor and she's like, yeah, your stomach's really inflamed. I want you to stop having gluten. And this is before we went vegan. Mm. And so he came home and I'm like, are you kidding? Like, what am I going to do with all of these baked goods that I bake now? <laughs> Who's going to eat them? And so he, I switched over to gluten-free flour I found a blend that I really that I really like and I started using that and so I had already kind of made the switch to gluten-free baking I switched all of the pasta that we used I switched pretty much our entire house into a gluten-free environment and um, 
when we went vegan um is when his stomach issues really subsided and it actually had nothing to do with the gluten. So we we now do eat some gluten on occasion, like we might have bread or whatever the case may be. But um, we st- I still bake pretty pretty much gluten free. And you know when when we were kind of when I was developing recipes for the for the company, I was just you know I, I was more conscious about what I was putting out because of, of, of um, the way that I had been developing my recipes based mm. on what, what we eat in our house. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Do you, do you find that you know, people are sorting you out for this specifically? And you, you, is the scale of it what you thought it would be? Or have you been surprised by how much demand has come your way from, from that angle? Yeah, I think you know. First, when I was when I was first doing just the gluten free, um, for just the gluten free stuff, it, it was a really interesting like push of people. You know, we have social media these days, which it, it's incredible to see. Like when one person posts about something, the influx of orders that comes in, which is <laughs> still blows my mind. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I would say like this this past year and a half, two years over the pandemic, however long the pandemic's been going on, um, it's it's been um, it's it's been a blessing. I mean, there's definitely no no complaints about the way things have been going, and um, we're just really grateful for for how how our we're, when a lot of businesses slowed down. Ours kind of picked up because we had people reaching out to send gifts to people for, you know, their employees just showing gratitude for working from home and, you know, just different stuff like that. So it was it was a really nice way to be able to kind of take part in that as well. You know, people people just, you know, wishing happy birthday from a distance or, or what, what have you. So it was a really nice, a nice, a nice thing to to be involved with this year as everybody was kind of celebrating from a distance. I was going to ask you about that, you know, as a, as a business owner with a, a, with a, with a relatively new growing fast business, something like the pandemic hits, just to add a bit more complexity, you know, you're relearning uh, really a career. You've moved into a new career, a new style of cooking from the one that you'd grown up with. And then a pandemic hits as well. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't imagine again, like what you would have dealt with as a, as a business owner there. How, how did that, how did that feel? What was the, did you feel like you had to kind of pivot from the original plan and move more into this kind of space of being able to ship out and make custom cakes and so on? Was that the original plan or was it kind of, you were rolling with the punches? We were a hundred percent rolling with the punches. Yeah. So before the pandemic hit, um, we were doing local coffee shops here in Los Angeles and we were more of like a wholesale, um, and doing custom cakes, but not doing any delivery to like nationwide delivery or anything like that. We had none of that set up. And so when everything went into lockdown, um, we had to quickly figure out like what, what to do. And so we started doing quarantine drop-off menus. That was our first step. So like the week after lockdown, we started doing these quarantine drop-off menus. They changed like every two or three weeks. We would post them on our Instagram and um, they kind of just took off and they went really, you know, really well. And then we had people reaching out asking if we could ship them stuff. And, you know, the reply was, we don't have (laughs) any shipping set up. And so we had to just quickly figure out like, what's the cheapest way to ship things and the fastest because, you know, it's perishable items. And so we, quickly implemented nationwide shipping and then so you know fast forward to now we you know do nationwide shipping and we don't we don't have the quarantine menus anymore but we 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 try to keep them you know pretty 
change changed what we have on the website pretty often. Right now, we just have a few different um, cookie options because of you know the summertime and and shipping things in this hot weather. But um, you know, we have different boxes for Mother's Day and Father's Day and Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving. So it really we try to change it with the season and. Um, everything's always gluten-free and vegan so it's it was really nice for people as well because you you also don't ever know what people's allergies are mm -hmm. and so to not have to think about that and be able to just send them a box and you know with a little card inside that says whatever and uh, you know know they're good to go it's wonderful as well to have built going back to a point you made earlier this level of trust with your customers that they can come to a vegan gluten-free baker not knowing that the uh recipient you know what 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 needs that they may may have but knowing that you'll you'll cover all and them not feeling like i'm going to give them a product that isn't quite as good as the cake that we buy from x company so right. a testament to the work that you've done to make a product that is you know, exceptional in quality to the point where no one really, it sounds odd to say, but no one really minds whether it's vegan or not sort of right. thing. That's not a problem. Right. I mean, let's face it, we've all had something that um, you've taken a bite out of and you're like, it's gluten-free. Or you've you've taken yeah. a bite out of it and you're like, oh, this is, this is vegan or whatever the case may be. So... Um, you know, that's something that we really pride ourselves on from, you know, from the bakery to doing a full catered event. I don't ever want people to know they're having something that's vegan. And that's something that's really important to us because if they're eating tofu or if they're eating, you know, a chickpea salad that's supposed to be tuna fish, I don't want people to know that what they're eating is plants. And that's kind yeah. of the bottom line. I think that um, as a chef, I have to do my part in, in making them feel like veganism is an approachable way of life and that it can mm. taste good and that they can eat whatever they want. They just have to use their imagination. On that note, do you, do you sort of almost feel, because I'm kind of getting this sense with it, that it's almost like it's your own form of activism in a way, you know? Like, yeah. Is that too bold a statement to make? That's, that's kind of how I, I, I sort of feel about it. No, I think it's definitely. I think it's definitely something like that because uh, you know we've all we've all been asked like, well, what do you eat? Like everybody thinks that because you're a vegan, you only eat salad or you only eat lentils or you know. There's all of these, but the fact of the matter is like the vegan, the science within the food industry has developed. I would say just in the last five years um, into something that. I would have never imagined and so what you can you know what you can consume as a vegan is is really phenomenal and and you don't even have to put that much work into it it's you can buy all of these all of these great products from your local market and prepare prepare a meal just as you would if you weren't a vegan and have something that tastes incredible so I think your view on something on this. So sorry, Chris. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get, I just wanted to get your view on on something really because I I had um, a a conversation a while back with a chef called uh, Andy Hogburn who runs a, a, a fantastic restaurant in London called Alter, and they pride themselves on very similar to yourself in terms of an ethos, very different food, but in terms of our intention is not to be a good vegan restaurant mm. <laughs> our intentions to be a good restaurant right and then and and it's irrelevant we happen to be vegan this is what we believe these are our ethics but it's it was incredibly important to andy to to stand on its own as exceptional and not just he, he said the one thing i sort of dislike is when people say Oh, it's it's really it's you, you you can almost not tell it's vegan or you know those kind of statements that are like it's good for a vegan meal, you know. And he he had an interesting take which I hadn't thought about until he said it, and I'd be interested to get your perspective. Was that in a way, us in the sort of vegan community had kind of not necessarily wrongly, but we'd we kind of allow this too because we 
we sort of buy into products that aren't as good and and just because they're vegan and we sort of buy into that rather than um you know being selective almost demanding a higher standard than than we did before and so he he was kind of saying it's actually these and he, he had a particular <laughs> ponch, uh, dislike of things like um, jackfruit burgers and stuff. I love a jackfruit burger personally, mm. but uh, he was he was talking about these things and kind of saying that they're almost like lazy. It's almost like this is like the vegan option that we sell and it's kind of okay. And he was kind of saying that we in the vegan community just we need to demand better. We need to do more things that are different. We need to make things that are exceptional uh, in order to raise the bar properly and become on a par with with kind of you know high quality mainstream food so that's a very long rambling statement (laughs) i'd love to get your 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 view on it i would have to agree i would have to agree a hundred percent and i think that you know first off i would i would i would beg people to ask the question if if somebody says you know well this is uh let's say this is a great slice of chocolate cake for for it being vegan you know if they have to if they feel the need to throw that for being vegan in there well you know ask the question back well have you had a better slice of chocolate cake (laughs) you know because then it kind of it shifts the question on them and it takes it away from being vegan you know Mm. so maybe 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 it's that maybe it's more us asking more questions to them well, what would make it better in your opinion? Would you prefer the pasta to be more creamy? Would you, you know, like there, yeah. there needs to be more maybe of a dialogue because again, the science in the food space is vast and we can do anything that carnivores can do. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just the feedback that we need. Um, but I agree with him 100%. I think there is a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of laziness but there's also a lot that we can do. So I think it's it's about having more chefs like him that have the the attention span and the willingness to do it because once once it is more mainstream, which it's it's on its way there. Again, like living in Los Angeles, yeah. you you can't really go anywhere without having a vegan option. Um but once it is more mainstream, um, you know, it's not going to be an option to just have a shit burger on the menu and expect yeah. it to be expect it to be an acceptable thing. Yeah, that that I think you're absolutely right. We're in that we're in that sort of crossover period where I think for many of us, depending on where we live, depending on the city we're in, we're sometimes just glad of being fed. Right. You know, and. And then there's that once you, you know, when you get surrounded by these options, you then start, you, you then get the luxury of choice. Uh, and then you sort of, you vote with your, with your pounds or with your dollars yeah. to, you know, and the best will win out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, just final sort of thought, thought for you, Chris, or question is where, where does it go from here in terms of the, the business? Because, you've I, I just keep keep reflecting back on what you've done in this last year you know pivoted the business started this brand new business um pivoted your um your cooking skill uh, learned this whole new style then developed a, a a network where you could distribute products nationally across a country as vast as the states it just it almost makes me think what couldn't you do so is there have you got more plans or is there kind of a let's let's just see where we head at the moment yeah you know i'm i'm kind of one of those people that um i like i don't like to put parameters on the future because i like to just i like to be open to possibility um right now we're working on an event in september that's going to be held in detroit um which is going to be really cool and it's going to be a whole vegan southern dinner so we're gonna have baked pimento cheese dip and we're gonna have um fried chicken collard greens mac and cheese corn casserole there'll be banana 
banana pudding, chocolate peanut butter pie, which is, um, it's basically the whole dinner is a nod to my grandparents' restaurant back in Georgia. So these are all things that you would have been able to find on their their menu. Um, but I veganized everything and, and we're hosting a whole dinner at this um, place in Detroit called Frame. So um, we'll be there September 16th through the 19th. Tickets aren't on sale yet, but they will be. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna hopefully be over in London sometime in October, November to do some oh, fun man. things over there. And, um, you know, just doing more, doing more um, traveling now that, I don't even want to say I don't even want to say the words that COVID has <laughs> let up because we just don't know we just don't know. Um, but you know, getting trying to get back out there and um, now that I'm vaccinated, I'll say that now that now that the vaccine is there. Um, but yeah, and just really seeing seeing what the next step is because you know I don't I don't like to put limitations on things because you never know what's what's going to happen. Well, clearly, I don't think they could hold hold you in your creativity. In to be honest, this you, you keep going in these amazing different directions. So I think you know, fair enough for not putting parameters on it. Where yeah. where could um, folks go to find out find out more, Chris? Yeah, you can um, follow our Instagram at Better with Butter, um, and then we will probably start posting events and stuff on our website as well betterwithbutter.com um, so those are the two best places if you go to our website you can uh, go on to our email um, list and just subscribe to our newsletter we never send anything out so if if we have events coming up we'll shoot those out but we're definitely not one of those people that are in your inbox every day <laughs> You're not going to spam us. No, never, never. <laughs> wonderful. Look, Chris, it's been amazing chatting with you. Thank you so much. I've, yeah. I've um, really enjoyed it. The um, the Instagram, I can absolutely, is mouthwatering. I could definitely recommend folks get on there, check it out. And the, the website, um, I, I can't wait to visit. And I hope some of those, uh, those um, uh, events like you've got planned in Detroit, end up uh, all over the place i'd love to see one of those in london so hopefully one day uh, we'll see you over here soon we're working on jim hey thanks for having me today i appreciate it it's been great thanks chris thank Bye you now.